your turn to... Oh, is it for me? Consider yourself fired. Why are you winking at me? Consider yourself fired. Hello, and welcome to the JT and Drew Show. I'm JT. And I'm Drew. And we're two nobodies talking about nothing. Nothing. Consider yourself fired. Hey, bud. Hey, nice to see you there. Good to see you, too. Uh, Always a pleasure. Happy 4th of July. Oh, happy 4th of July right back at you. This is uh, is an interesting time. The 4th fell on the Monday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some would even go as far as to say happy Independence Day. Um, Yeah, if I could remember that speech, we will not go silently into the night. That was, that was a pretty good movie, but I don't remember the whole speech. Don't think about it too hard. It's all right, bud. You're talking about the Patriot? No, I'm talking about Brain Independence Heart? Day. Oh, Independence Day. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. You you flashed your pen in front of me, and I forgot. My pen? <clears throat> I mean, I think that's what it was. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a light switch. Hey, so anyways. So... Because today's the 4th of July, I have a great Mm -hmm. idea. All right, let's hear it. Let's talk about Heroes of America. Oh, Heroes of America, okay. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't be here celebrating today if it wasn't for a lot of American heroes and a lot of people that we're never going to know their names, right? Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... I'd like to discuss, you know, just a little bit about, and, and in fact, there's one individual, and I'll talk about him later on in the episode, there's one individual that kind of sparked this idea that I had that the producers were so kind to let us go ahead and and talk about these subjects. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you know how they can get, but they were all about it. Yeah, they, they can... Uh they can be all about it sometimes. Yeah, they can. So, but do you have anybody? Because I'd kind of like to go in chronological order as we can. Mm. I don't want to bounce around. But do okay. you have anybody that you would like to talk to that kicked this thing off? Yeah, sure. Um, I think if I'm going in chronological order, um, the first one that pops to mind or to memory uh, if you remember in grade school, uh, Paul Revere. Okay, Paul Revere. You know, the British are coming. The British are coming. Yeah, rode his horse. <clears throat> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, that's actually one of the things that he was most famous for was that midnight ride where he was riding his horse around to warn American troops that the British were coming. Yeah, him and I'm sure there was a few others, but... Him and another yeah. guy that got real famous for it. Well, and, you know, looking back on it, it's pretty neat. You know, obviously they didn't have the technology that we have today, but they were still so resourceful. And they had uh, instructed the people, you know, hey, go up into this church tower. And if you see, like, they're going to make signals. If you see the British coming by land, light one lantern. If you see them coming by sea, light two lanterns. Mm-hmm. 
so of course in grade school we learn you know one if by land two if by sea the british are coming yada yada <clears throat> yeah but i just thought i thought that little piece or that little nugget was pretty neat you know i mean again they don't have the technology that we have and uh something like that to signal them so they could hide their resources or prepare for the oncoming of uh, whatever was ahead of them that they weren't sure of necessarily um and i thought that was pretty neat but he was able to by doing that warn all of the patriots save countless lives and uh prepare you know the american side for what would become the battle of lexington and concord okay yeah 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 um so i would say he was a pretty um that was a pretty pivotal moment there he was a pretty revered guy Oh, I see what you did there. Stop it, Drew. Stop. So, okay. Um, and then you you uh, know that later on that evening, him and another individual, I can't remember his name, were captured by the British and hung for treason. Who was it? Uh, gosh, I'm, I'm terrible for this one. I don't remember who said it. Uh, but that that quote uh that sometimes the tree of liberty or from time to time the tree of liberty has to be shed with blood mm. something along those lines yeah definitely you know indicating that that sometimes the ultimate sacrifice is necessary and in this case it it was i mean terrible right i'm sure terrible for the families involved in all that stuff but look at the the aftermath the countless lives saved the domino effect of what happened because they did what they did right well in the fact that it was a cause that these colonials were willing to die for yeah oh absolutely so you know uh there's a quote that i kind of like to say every now and again and usually i'll definitely say it when i definitely get the opportunity but um with Mel Brooks, or not Mel Brooks, goodness gracious, with Mel Gibson, mm. who says, um, why would I want to trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away? A legislation man can tr- trample a man's rights just as much as a king can. And giving the certain state that we are in, we can see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a that's a great quote. But you know, there are a lot of movies going to quote a lot of things, and it's not always historically accurate. But uh, yeah, Paul Revere. Right. I mean, he he's the one who helped us kicked it off. He's the one who um helped the cause to again build this great nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, well, hey, that's a good good. Who else yeah, you got? What about for you? Me? <clears throat> oh me yeah okay yeah um let's see um we could fast forward a little um another one that i've got here would be uh audie murphy audie murphy <clears throat> yes sir okay. u.s army soldier actor and medal of honor recipient oh okay what um what era so he was um his lifespan 1925 to 1971 uh but we're going to talk a little bit more about world war ii here okay before you do that yep before you do that let me get on one individual sure who is just before world war ii 
name of it was a marine of Dan Daly. It was good for Dan Daly. Um, he was in World War One, right? He had he had made a name for himself prior to World War One. He had a couple of Medal of Honors uh, during the Boxer Rebellion uh, and the U.S. occupation of Haiti, right? So he won a couple of Medal of Honors there. Oh wow! Yeah, Dang. by the he time had a couple, a couple, yeah, he had two. Dang! Yeah, wow. one in each. <clears throat> so really stern guy, real. When you think of uh, Marine, usually people will think of Dan Daly. But in World War One, back in 1918, he, this man was 44 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you think about that, like, holy mackerel. Yeah, a lot of our guys are, are facing retirement at, at or before that age. Yeah, yeah. Current now, currently. And he's, he's 44, and he's out fighting hand-to-hand combat i mean he's going nuts yeah well so what made him so uh memorable in world war one was uh there were he was a part of an assault team and was fighting some germans and they came under machine gun fire and he supported or rallied his troops and said and i'm not gonna do all the quote because you know they're marines and they they like to cuss but uh but he says, come on, you sons and then we can figure out what the last word is. Um, do you want to live forever? And that kind of inspired his men to go and take the trenches and uh, capture some Germans. And they decided that, um, um, that they were going to take some prisoners and bring them back uh, from no man's land. And uh, won a Medal of Honor because he put himself in the, uh, in the danger zone to go and get this information um not not secrets but you know vital information to help win the war oh yeah well and and what an idea right you're in the thick of it under machine gun fire you've got to rally your troops and pretty much try to convince them hey we're going on a suicide mission here you're not all gonna make it and tell them or ask them you know do you want to live forever like Obviously, he's not talking a physical life, but do you want to go down in history? Do you want to be remembered? Yeah, exactly. That just, that takes some big cojones. It takes big cojones, but it also, um, it takes um, inspiration. You have, have, you have, you have had already been an idol in your platoon, to mm, motivate yeah. your people to do what you're asking them to do. They have got to, you, you have got to have their utmost respect in order yeah. to ask them to die. Well, and you remember trench warfare, World War One, where there were people where it was like, hey, we're going to climb out of the trench. We're moving forward. We're coming under fire. And if you don't, there's a man back there waiting for you to turn around and run the other way, and we're going to shoot you ourselves. Yeah. You know, and this wasn't one of those scenarios. These men willingly followed him. Exactly. And just, yeah, very, very inspirational. Yeah. True American. True American. So, okay. Audie Murphy. Audie Murphy. <clears throat> so, Audie Murphy, um, he wasn't, you know, the the stud in school wasn't the smartest dude all that any kind of stuff he uh actually was in a family of sharecroppers 
and he left school in the fifth grade so that he could stay home and help support the family, help run the farm and, and pick cotton and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's Which I think was common. Yeah, that's very common back then. <clears throat> yeah. So he became motivated to serve, um, serve his country, the United States, following the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941. Yeah. Uh, he enlisted with the Army at the age of 16. Again, kind of a common thing back then. Mm-hmm. And his service during World War II began in 1943. Uh, he actually was in the invasion of Sicily. Oh, okay. Um, Trying yep. to get the underbelly of of um, the regime. Nazi Germany, they thought... Um, who, who, Churchill thought that uh, Italy would be a soft spot. Mm, yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, it says here that during the uh, the battle in France, uh, he commandeered a burning tank and single-handedly held off advancing German soldiers for more than an hour. Uh, and even though he was injured during that fight, he led a successful counterattack that forced the enemy to retreat. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, so you're one dude... You hop in a burning tank. I mean, I. <clears throat> it, it's crazy to think about because obviously I'm, I'm reading words on a paper. I can look at history books. I can watch movies. But not there, not feeling that, not having that pressure, not having the bombs go off, the bad guys shoot back at you. But, I mean, just the gall to, you know, well, I'm either going home one way or another. I'm going to go ahead and do what I can to make a big dent in this thing. Yeah. <clears throat> And and do it so well that, okay, hey, they're retreating now. Yeah. I mean, think about how many more lives he saved for doing that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, Sicily and, and Italy and all that, that was uh, mountainous fighting. And the, mm-hmm. the Italians and the Germans, I mean, they were digging in. And I know Churchill and a couple other folks were worried that, World War Two was going to be the exact same thing as World War One, where it was going to be trench warfare, and they really tried not to because they wanted to gain ground. Yeah. So yeah, holy mackerel, bam! And just think, you're going into a burning tank, right? This thing can oh, explode yeah. at <clears throat> any point in time. It's not like and you're not a small target. Oh no! And you're you're good. It's not like there's a gas pedal. And you could just put a brick on it and, okay, let's let this tank do its thing. Mm -hmm. Hey, he's in it. Yeah. Yep. And then it says uh, later on he he ended up being one of the most decorated um, uh, veterans in U.S. history. He earned over 28 medals, um, including the Medal of Honor, a medal from France and from Belgium. Uh, He ended up getting out. He did a bunch of movies with Hollywood, over 40 Hollywood films, and then he became a rancher in Arizona and in California. Really? Mm-hmm. So he, he'd lived all this crazy life and then ended up uh, dying in a plane crash in 1971. Oh, man. You know what that, that kind of reminds me of? Man. <clears throat> Who's that? The um, Secondhand Lion, the movie. Oh, yeah. With yeah. the two guys. I know yeah. there's some memes out there. <clears throat> about it right now that oh i'm i can relate more to these people the more and more i get older but <laughs> yeah i mean you live this crazy life when you're young and then when you get older you try to settle down but you still have that 
urge or sensation of, yeah, you know, hey. You still have that youngness inside of you. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> I don't think it ever really goes away. Yeah. Well, it's like I was talking to my neighbor's uh, friend, and he's in his 90s now. And I asked him about that when he had his, his most recent birthday. And he said, age is just a number. Age is just a mindset. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's still the young guy. I mean, if I bet if he could, he'd still be out there riding his motorcycle and going nuts. That's great. I mean, and that's what it should be. You know, you you're you're you shouldn't let your brain limit you on yeah. what you want to do. Now, bones and muscles and everything else is not going to work as well as it did when you sure. were younger. But you know, you can you can maybe feel that way and. Yeah slowly do the things that you want to do kind of take your time yeah yeah for sure so oh man that's that's great that is another true american hero true american hero right there yeah i have a individual of course you know world war ii that has a that is the greatest generation that ever lived right yeah. It was a call to arms. There were so many people that wanted to join and fight for their country. And, of course, here in America, December 7th, 1941, is a date that will ev- will forever live in infamy. And that shows that America, when, when push comes to shove, America is going to shove back. And you're not oh, going to yeah. take advantage of us. And we still live to that morals today. A good number of us. So, but I have a personal um, individual who was in my family, and uh, his name was Sonny McGee, and he was from McKinney, Texas. Who they were right on, right on. born, uh, born and raised, and uh, Sonny was. Uh, individual just like everybody else wanted to join and fight for his country and whatnot and he started out he went to the army and then he went and joined airborne school started out in the 101st which if you're a war hero um, any kind of historian or whatnot you know band of brothers 101st easy company then he wasn't a part of that but he was a part of the 101st and then he transferred to the 82nd Airborne, All-American Airborne, right? Mm. So he went there, um, did the invasion of Sicily and Italy, and then got recalled back to Europe, uh, England, did the invasion of Normandy. Oh, wow. Yep. Jumped a few more times, wound up in Hitler's... uh, outpost uh his house with uh with oh, the, the eagle's nest yeah he was around that area but he was out there with the 101st but he was 82nd airborne okay so did that finished up got out of the army when they you know were forcing everybody out that time at that time yeah and then korea happened right oh yeah yeah so then he rejoined did did his tour out in Korea back with the 82nd jumped uh did a lot of jumps and uh came back and then he was a volunteer firefighter for McKinney Texas 
and I don't remember the year, so I'm just going to say in the mid-60s, he was responding to a call from the fire department because it was all volunteer fire and fire, firefighters at that time. Mm-hmm. And as he was running across the street to respond to the call, a lady who had supposedly ran a stop sign hit him and he died oh wow yeah so and that's my family a member who served in both world war ii and korea and to this day when you talk to the older individuals of the family who knew him would always say he was an outstanding guy he was really fun to be around always upbeat Mm. and just to have gone through two wars and still be a positive outlook in the community just boggles my mind. He he's, yeah. he was awarded, you know, a uh, couple of bronze stars, a silver star, um, never the Medal of Honor. But um, that's all I know of him and some of the research that I've done about him. But there's not a lot out there unless you just read his personal stuff. Yeah. And I don't have access to a lot of it. A lot of it is hearsay. So, but gotcha. I, that would be one individual that I would really like to dig into just because. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just because of his history. And again, in my eyes, he's a true American hero. Yeah, definitely. There, I mean, talk about, you know, it wasn't just like, well, I'm drafted in and I got to go back or, or what have you. I mean, to go to one war, come back home, get out do your home stuff. Oh, hey, something else kicked off. Yeah, I'm going to go do the, you know, my my patriotic duty again. Exactly. Like holy moly. Yeah. Some people would be like, dude, you've already gone once, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people were like that, but not him. You know, he loved his country. Loved yeah. his family and wanted to protect him. So. That's amazing. You have anybody in your family that served? <sighs> yeah, I've got too many to tell. Um if I did the math right, I think I am number 12 in my family. And that that's like dads, grandpas, cousins, brother, uncles, that kind of thing. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm number 12. Um, and I mean, we've got all, all the branches, Army, Air Force, Marine Corps, Navy. <clears throat> Don't have any Coast Guard or Space Force. Yeah, well, Coast Guard was a little later on. But um, one of the guys that I thought was really, really interesting um, that I found out about just more recently in the past couple of years was my mom's dad, my grandpa, his brother uh, was out in World War II. Oh, okay. So apparently as a young teen, he worked for Pan America and doing whatever. And uh, he eventually decided to join up in the Army, or the Army Air Corps, or whatever it was called at the time. Yeah, Army Air Corps. And he went to um, Shepard Air Force Base. Well, he went to Lackland for training. He went to Shepard for his uh, technical school. And then he volunteered for combat duty. Okay. So the war was already going off. Uh, This would have been uh, 1944. Uh Uh-huh. So he was a staff sergeant, he was a uh, flight engineer, 
and a tail gunner on a B-26 Marauder. Oh, and I, okay. I was able to find pictures of the actual one and then do some Google research, and I found, like, yeah, this this is the exact plane with the same nose art and all that, and it was really, really neat to see. Did the plane have a name? Yeah, the plane uh, was named the Coral Princess 3. Okay. Yeah, and uh, like I said, he had volunteered for combat duty. They sent him to France, him and his air crew. Uh, They were flying a combat mission over Germany, and as they got to, I guess, above their target, because they were a, a bomber, uh, they ended up taking pretty heavy enemy fire. They hit, got hit with flak, and they were struck down, crash-landed near Belgium. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, one of the articles I found said everyone but one of the crew got out of the plane. They were able to jump uh, at least within a couple hundred yards of the plane hitting. Uh, so some of them probably got out a little late. Yeah. Uh, but no, there were no survivors, so I don't know if the others, you know, took more fire as they were coming down with their parachutes or if they just hit the ground. I don't know. Goodness gracious. I couldn't find any details on that, but it was just neat to know. You know, I'd I'd love to know in the moment, did they already release their bombs? Did this happen? You know, what happened? X, Y, Z, all the nitty gritty details. Um, But just similar to family that you were just talking about, you know, they, they felt this, hey, this is going on in the world right now. This is how my country's involved. Sign me up. Yeah. Send me. Let me go do it. I want to do my part. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he didn't make it back. He's actually buried in France. Oh. You know, a lot of folks that, unfortunately, that's what happened. Yeah. But it was just neat to to know that, you know, at that time, and I'm not saying it's not necessarily like that now, but at that time, you know, there were so many people that were willing, hey, Yep, I want to go. I want to keep the fight off my front door and handle business over there. Yeah. So I'll stay over there. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, what was your um, granddad's name? Uh, so his brother's name was I'm sorry. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Mendez. Ezekiel Mendez. Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. true American hero. Yep. And, and uh, he left for the war when my grandpa was, gosh, not even a teenager. Like, he, he was... Like, pre-teens? Is yeah, what we he was would probably call him 9, 10, 11, somewhere around there. Oh, wow. So he never saw him again. Uh, and then he ended up joining the Marine Corps and yada, yada, yada. Lots of family in the military, but... But, yeah, that one was pretty interesting to find out. That's, that's amazing. And, you know, your granddad's brother made the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. So that that right there, and it, you hear it from all the veterans, you know, the real heroes are still back there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they made the ultimate sacrifice. So, well, I mean, they really, they, they paved the way, you know. Uh, it's unfortunate that they didn't make it back. But because of their sacrifice, you know, it led to the overall victories whether it was in this battle or that battle or what have you right if if they weren't there if they didn't do what they did you know then this thing couldn't happen and so on and so forth and exactly yeah. well sorry to hear about that but no yeah um, what else do you have uh, anybody else that you're thinking of yeah so i'm gonna you know i kind of kind of 
dabbled in World War II and then kind of dabbled in the Korea, so I'm going to hit the next big one. Uh, and I'm going to give a, give a shout-out uh, to a YouTuber and a podcaster who I listen to uh, who kind of sparked this idea of, hey, you know, this show is going to be on the 4th of July. This is a great topic. Let's go ahead and do this. But um, I do listen to Mr. Ballin, who, oh. yeah, he's big on TikTok. He's big on YouTube. He has his own podcast now. Which Does is, his money jiggle jiggle or fold? I don't know. But okay. he's a prior Navy SEAL. And oh, wow. he talks about it and is very proud of it like he should be. And um, overall, from what you see online, just seems like a really nice guy. And, and I'm sure he really is in, in real life. But uh, he told a story. That kind of sparked my interest about an individual who fought in Vietnam. And the individual's name was Roy Benedavides. And that's kind of the individual who kind of sparked this whole idea. Hey, let's give tributes to these heroes. Yeah. And so. Tell me more. Yeah. So Roy Benedavides is from Texas, right? So. He's already got it. He's already in uh, good graces in my book right there. Started right? off on the right foot there. Yeah, he did. But <laughs> so he goes and he joins the Army National Guard. He starts out, right, had a rough start when he was a kid. Both of his parents died. You know, he was yeah. raised by his grandparents and uh, him and his siblings. And then he goes and he joins the Army National Guard because it seemed like, hey, he wanted to better his situation. Great. Okay awesome so he does that and he's kind of a hothead right as most military people are so he's like i want to do more so then he goes and he applies and uh is accepted into the green berets special forces oh wow okay so now you already know okay that's the top of the top for army so now you know okay this guy's he's he's in it to win it well, he goes, and I'm not going to get in fully of his story. I'm just going to highlight some of the stuff that he did. You know, if you want to um, research research or anything, or in fact, on YouTube, he gives a speech back in the 90s, uh, right after, uh, or in the 80s, right after uh, President uh, Reagan presents him with his Medal of Honor. Uh, he goes in and he tells his entire story, right? And he's hilarious in his, his speech. So um, he goes and he does the special forces. He does a couple of missions. He gets uh, injured and, and all this stuff. Well, the big story is called The Six Hours of Hell, right? So mm. he's in this building. He's listening to the radio chatter. He hears 12 of his friends because at this point... Everybody that's out in Vietnam, they all kind of know each other. So 12 of his friends are in in the bush. They are in the jungle. And they are getting attacked by a battalion of North Viet Congs, right? North Vietnamese fighters. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so it's it's 12 against 1,000, right? <clears throat> they're, they're holding their own, but yeah. they, need, they are trying to get out of their situation. And they, I think they the, were just going out for a recon mission. They weren't going. Not good odds there. <laughs> no. So Roy 
Mr. Benedavides, hears this, and he starts running out to the flight lane where the helicopters Hueys are flying in, right? So he eventually flags down a, um, a helicopter on the flight line. There's this kid that he knows who's the side gunner, pulls him off of the uh, helicopter, and the kid dies in this guy's arms. Oh, wow. So now Roy is just fuming, right? He's he's mad. So he talks to the to the pilot, says, are you willing to go back? He said, the pilot says, hell yeah, I'm willing to go back. Jumps on board. They take off. They start heading to the... Um, to the DZ, right? But uh, Mr. Benedavides forgot his rifle. So all he's got is his knife, combat knife. So they get to the DZ, and it's too hot. They can't land. So he talks this pilot into just getting as close to the tree line as he can and he's going to jump out no rope no nothing he's just jumping so he so he gets to the trees jumps out of the helicopter falls through the canopy eventually hits the ground right then he starts running now he's behind enemy lines at this point so he's running past the enemy getting to his guys he's got some he's got a med pack that's got you know, a couple of morphines in it, starts shooting his guys up with morphines, sets up his his individuals to have a defensive line and just tells people where to shoot. As he's getting the dead and uh, really, really bad wounded guys off to a safe place. Eventually, um, they get to a clearing, tries to call the... Uh, throws the smoke grenade out, tries to get the helicopter to come down. He's moving all of his people back. And he's running in and out of the jungle to grab his guys, right? So if you kind of think of like Forrest Gump, he outruns everybody, but then he's going back into the jungle to grab his friends. And I know that's a terrible way to describe it, but I'm trying to get people to kind of visually Forrest, see what's happening. Right? I want to go home, Forrest. <laughs> So he's he's running back and forth. He's taking hits. He's getting shot in the leg. He's getting shot in the chest. And shot in the arms. I think overall, I think he got shot like 36 times in this, Lord. In this six hours. Yeah. However, it's not the best part. So he's still popping morphine into his buddies. He's popping morphine into himself, right? <laughs> so he can't feel this stuff. And then got that adrenaline going, huh? I'm sorry. Is <clears throat> he's got that adrenaline going? That's all he's running on at this point. Uh, the helicopter that was originally there was shot down. The pilot, mm. the pilot died. All that. So he s- sets up a defensive line around the helicopter, and then eventually they got pushed back to the tree line on the opposite side. Okay. So he's trying to radio in. Um, air attacks uh, from the Air Force and he just puts it to where they're going to start dropping bombs right on top of these guys and Mm. on top of himself and his people. So he's calling in real close air support. Right? So they're dropping napalm and they're 
eventually they get to the point where it's kind of settling down you know the Vietcong is not attacking as much so they have a moment to where he can just figure out where everybody's at gets them all kind of huddled in gets a defensive a, a defensive perimeter and um eventually realizes that there's a couple of guys in the tree lines that he's forgotten so he's running back as he's running back a Viet Cong hits him with the butt of his gun right so now he's on the ground and then so they're doing close quarter stuff close quarter stuff so now he's fighting for his life and he's all shot up right but in his brain he's thinking it's either you or me right so he's going to give him the fight of his life so eventually he takes the uh the enemy's weapon beats him with it kills the enemy goes back grabs his two guys another helicopter comes he evacuates everybody onto the helicopter and then eventually he gets on board he's the last guy off the field <sighs> they get a, they get back to the base they're putting everybody who's dead into a body bag and um he the the docs are starting to the docs have put him in a body bag because they say there's no way he's alive right well mr benedavides didn't just get all of his comrades on the helicopter he also put some enemy combatants on the helicopter as well and he jokes about it saying i wasn't leaving anybody behind right so (laughs) so as they're putting him in this body bag he's he can he can sit there and and feel everything that's happening and as they're zipping it up one of his friends says hey wait i know that guy that's roy you need to stop and check for a pulse and they check for a pulse they didn't feel one and they're going to zip up the bag again well he starts wiggling moving and then he spits the grossest loogie at the doctor spits it right in his face and the doc says, you know what? I think this guy's going to live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they unzip him. They get him to treatment. He's got shrapnel all in his body. They're pulling They're pulling bullets out. They can't treat him at the field hospital at the base. So they get him onto a C-130. And they get him over to Japan where he makes a full recovery. And eventually wow. to Germany and then back to the States. Well, y- you know what they say about the... Uh like some of those weapons, like you were saying, they're doing hand-to-hand combat with those rifles. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they say about those Viet Cong rifles. The AK-47? They were, uh, some of them anyways, never fired and only dropped once. Yeah. <laughs> and he figured that out too because the only weapons he had were the Viet Cong weapons where he was shooting back. And Golly. when he would uh, clear a magazine, he would drop the rifle and he'd pick up another one and start shooting again. <laughs> <laughs> he received the Medal of Honor. Let me double check here. Okay, 1981. So this is early 80s. So so I was wrong earlier. By President Ronald Reagan. So it took a while for him to get his. Yeah. But. Well, you know why. 
Because sometimes the administrative process takes a while. Exactly. It sure does. But his story is so far, far fetched. Nobody believed it until he told his story. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, I mean. But to have the determination to go save your friends. And and I know for me personally, if if I was still in uniform and something like that happened, I would want to get to my friends. Right. But I don't know if I would have the determination if being shot, if I could keep going. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, oh, nope, all right, I'm done. Sorry, guys. Good luck. <laughs> I'm just adding no. to the list. No, but you would want to fight for your life. Yeah. But you well, would like also we want to save your friends. That adrenaline's kicking in, <clears throat> that morphine's kicking in. I mean, relying on your training, but at that point, you're kind of a machine, right? You're probably not even really thinking about what you're doing. It's just happening. Yeah, yeah. You're Well, like you just said, you're relying on your training. You know, yeah. these guys are pushed to the brink of absolute, complete exhaustion that yeah. they don't have mm-hmm. to think about it. When they're there, they're just doing their job. Well, and that's why training sometimes it, it looks, I don't, I don't know what the right word is, looks vicious, looks hard, whatever. Like when you see these documentaries and uh, you see like SEALs training and it looks like the guy is trying to drown the other guy. You're like, holy cow. You know, this is hazing or this is too much or what. But they're not there to kill anybody. No. They're there to put him under that stress so that if and when it happens in combat situations, hey, my mind, my brain, I've been here before. I can get out of this or I know how to navigate this. I can talk myself down. I cannot freak out, I, whatever, because I've already been exposed to this type of stuff. Right. Exactly. And, you know... As we talk about these people, and I know we're going back in the past, but, you know, there are great American heroes in every conflict that we have ever fought in, and they are just such an inspiration once you learn their stories. Yeah, absolutely. And as a uniform member, I mean, even though we were in the chair force, but how do you inspire yourself to be like them, to be the best of the best? And you just got to do your best every day, you know, you have, and you've got to do your training. You've got to go through the, the motions and know it subconsciously. And and you've got to look at, they were doing their jobs. They trained for that job. That's the job they were doing. But that's what we all think. The jobs that we're trained for, we do. Yep. And the way that we can replicate those kinds of things obviously combat is conducted a little differently these days than it was back then as well right but the way that we can do that is to rely on the training do the best that we can do you know i mean there's instances where you can go above and beyond or volunteer for this or that or whatever but even in an admin role do your dang job yeah and find tooth and comb you know i know for me uh you know, we, we train in the uh, Persco realm and casualty and accountability and, you know, stuff that may seem menial to others. But you can't really do stuff if you don't know how many forces are on the ground or who's capable or who's got to be medevaced and you've got to coordinate all that stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and talk to the aircrew people and the TMO people to move people in or out or whatever the case is or notify families of deaths or hey your loved one's being sent to a hospital in Germany and 
you know, they're, they're off the field, so to speak. But for me, when I was downrange doing that stuff, I was the only guy on my seven person team that had the capability to do the casualty piece. Okay. So, you know, and I was a night shifter. So when I got woke up after like two hours of sleep and they're telling me, hey, I got to go. So-and-so wants to talk to me. I'm going to get debriefed or whatever. I'm like, oh, crap. What did I do or what didn't I do? And then they're telling me that, hey, we need this to happen. We need this report. We've got to talk to headquarters. We've got to do ABC. Here's the list. For me, that's when that adrenaline kicked in and that, hey, I got to rely on my training. I know how to do this. All right. I've done this a million times in practice. And right. exercises and all this stuff. So it was very familiar. And I knew, okay, this is real this time. This is, you know, four people died. These are four real families that are going to be receiving this information. I need to get it right. I've got to get the details. I've got to, you fill in the blank. But I think that's how we, no matter what your job is, that's how you replicate that kind, you know, you, you bring that same energy. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be, I'm going hand to hand and it's your life or my life. It, it can be. It sure could. But it could be something else too. Maybe you're in charge of scheduling flights. You know, I mean, the crap, if that doesn't happen, resources are left behind. People are left behind. Stuff doesn't get out on time. Things don't unalive themselves that need to be unalived in time, so on and so forth. I mean, every little job has its purpose. Exactly. Yeah. And even if you think, well, I'm not doing what I raised my right hand to do. I'm doing these little taskers or anything. You know, you're you're wrong. Yeah. Because every job is important. Because if you don't get your job right as casualty and you don't honor the memory of the fallen and get every bit of detail correct, then the individuals, the chaplains, the commanders, whoever at the home station informing the family don't have a true picture of what happened. Yeah, well, yeah, they don't have a true picture. They may not receive the the entitlements or the death benefits, unpaid paying allowances, life insurance, all these things that are a domino effect from that reporting. And that could be held up because I didn't do my job right. Exactly. Or I didn't care or I just whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody, you know, we we used to watch those videos when we were active duty. Like, oh, you're everybody's a puzzle piece. Where do you fit in and whatnot? But, yeah, there's truth to that, you know. And if you don't see it that way, if you don't, like you said uh, a second ago, like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing what I raised my right hand to do. If you kind of have that attitude or that mentality that maybe that's not the job for you. You know, maybe you do your time and figure something else out for the rest of your life. But yeah, either you pop smoke or you re retrain or, you know, do something that, yeah. that there's you, nothing wrong with that. You know, at nothing. least you're identifying it and you're moving forward. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, brother, you, sir, are a true American hero in my eyes. No, you are not at all, but, uh, we salute Every single American who has given their life for freedom, who has made the ultimate sacrifice, Mm -hmm. who has been wounded in combat or not combat, who has lost every limb on their body 
We salute you. We say thank you. And brother man, that'll do it for this episode. That'll do it. It's great seeing you. Thanks for stopping by. We got to do it again. Yes. As always, we'd like to say thank you for stopping by and listening to the podcast. Yeah, we realized that uh, you could have been doing anything uh, way more productive, but you chose to waste your time with us. We look forward to talking about absolutely nothing with you next time. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover, please email us at jtandrewshow at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash jtdrewshow.com.